Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast. I'm Rudo. That's Megan. Uh, who has more Riz, Rob Blake or Danny Briere? <laughs> Danny Briere. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think he got the better deal on this trade, for sure. Uh, we will talk about the Cup Finals in a little bit, but the NHL doing us a solid and giving us some more news today. Uh, Ivan Provorov getting traded technically to the LA Kings first and then flipped to the Columbus Blue Jackets in the end. Uh, Philly picks up a first and a second. Uh, and then also I think it's Sean Walker and Cal Peterson. Uh, they've been looking to move po- Provorov for a little bit. Columbus clearly in a place where they want to push to be more competitive rather than blow it up given they're locked into guys like Johnny Gaudreau. Uh, I, it, this trade still feels a little bit weird to me, right? Philly has Carter Hart. Supposedly now they're looking to yeah. trade him. Where do you fall on this? Is who is who is this trade the best for? L.A., Columbus, or Philly? Um, uh, it it might be Philly. Okay, I I think they got the most assets for sure. I don't know. I I think the first this year is a big deal for them. If they hit on that, I probably feel a lot better about the trade. I don't think that Provorov is going to be super easy to replace for them, though. Is the problem? I I also don't think so. I, there's there's I just don't particularly like what Provorov brings to the table. I think he serves a necessary role in bolstering a back end. He's just a big, heavy player, and mm-hmm. that is something that's going to be needed especially after the loss of Gavrikov from the deadline. So like I see the value that he will then bring moving forward to a new team, but the Flyers uh, have some work to do beyond the loss of Provorov. I think loading up on assets is smart because what they need to do is focus on sort of gradually rebuilding some things too. I don't know that they were ever in a place of immediate success anyways, that's Probably. why I could see this being a positive thing. So is, so if you're Danny Breer, are you looking to move Carter Hart for futures too then? No, I, I do think they need to get some roster yeah. players. I mean, depending on who that of is. Course, yeah. I, I think that, especially for Carter Hart, I think you need somebody who can fill in the NHL right now. I, I Carter Hart's had such a weird career there where at times he's supposed to be like the answer for them back there yeah he hasn't lived up to that at times but also he's been playing injuries philadelphia have also plagued him but you're right he's been playing behind (laughs) philadelphia so yeah how good could proveroff really be (laughs) i I, it feels weird because we don't usually get Real trades around this time. No, I was really surprised by this. Someone said unceremonious. I kind of agree with that take. I wasn't expecting a trade. So, I mean, cup finals are still going on. Usually they wait until it's over. But, hey, if they... I I think everyone in Philly seems to hate Provorov at this point. So, maybe it was just time to move on for them. Um, Yeah, as far as the Avs are concerned, I don't really know that this affects them much. Whatever ends up happening with Gavrikov may be more important, which there are also rumors about today saying he's looking for a two-year deal. An extension, which I was a little bummed about because I I kind of wanted to see him shopped a little bit more. Um, But 
it, it makes sense. He he brought a lot of value to LA, and it's interesting too. Like I wonder where LA benefits from this in the end too. Are they clearing cap space for something? It's kind of weird that they cleared cap space while retaining thirty percent on pro. Right. It does feel like I'm speaking out of both sides of the, my mouth with that. And I mean, you're still right. It's just a weird way to go about it for LA. And yeah, I you know. The, everyone on Twitter has already mentioned it, but the big thing with Gavrikov supposedly looking for six to seven, seven. million. It's closer to that seven. It's definitely like it's two years that I think they're targeting. So I don't hate it, but that would have been a little pricey for another team. I hate that that means Devontae is going to get nine. No, exactly. Like, <laughs> honestly, I was immediately linking this to Colorado because I kind of liked Gavrikov. I was like, what yeah. would it take to bring him here? Sure. Hearing six to seven. I, that was a pipe dream. I don't know where yeah. that was coming from. Yep. If it was like four, yeah, <laughs> that'd be a fun conversation. It's but. like, it's four, but you'd get to play in Colorado. <laughs> Come on. It works Come for on. other people. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's, and, you know, a, a little all over the place with that. Devontae's free agency situation, obviously going to be very different. He'll be 30 at the end of next season, I believe. Um, and then has a better track record than Gavrikov, obviously, with the last couple of years in Colorado. So I, I, I'll i put it this way. I don't think it's getting any easier for the Avs to hang on to Devontae. <laughs> no, this is setting the market standard for that caliber of player at that position. And Devontae, is, he's a top-pairing player. Not that. He's on another level, to, to say the least. But you never know. Guys take discounts all the time. I'm sure this is something we'll talk about a ton next offseason. Uh, coming into this off season and, and I want to talk about the avalanche a little bit here. How quickly are we expecting the abs to get things done? Can we reasonably expect the abs to do anything before the draft? I, I feel like it's reasonable to expect something, but I don't expect it to be the the big 2C solution. Yeah. Uh, I think there's some things that hinge a little bit on the draft that and then free agency. So I I don't know, I could see them re-signing somebody like coming to terms if they are looking at an internal option perhaps, but that would maybe be to the benefit of the Avalanche to get that done. Just having more knowledge about what they have to work with, I think certainly from the team side would make sense. I just don't know that any of the players are super motivated to get it done yet. So I I expect a slow month for Colorado until it's go time and then it'll be crazy. A flurry of action uh, for the most part. I, I I'm guessing blind. How many guys do you think they bring back of their free agents? Like. Three-ish. Because I'm off the top of my head, I'm assuming Confer's probably gone. Me too. Uh, you have Erod, who I'm 50-50 on. I'd like to see them bring him back. I don't know if they actually will. You have someone like Lars Eller. <sighs> Eric Johnson. I'm like penciling in Cogliano. If in he's there, healthy, sure. If he's healthy. Yeah. Um, and then beyond that, there's a lot of question marks. Like Erod is also who I'd like for them to bring back. But where I have the question mark is, have I overvalued how much he liked being in Colorado versus how much he wants to get paid? Yeah. And if so, 
I, I wouldn't then maybe count that as a sure thing. I think it'd be very wise to, to do that with Erod, just because I'm also assuming Comfer is not someone they'll be able to afford to keep. So that's sort of at least two that I have. And then... Yeah. I, all right. I'll put it this way. I would bring back EJ as like, if he wants to be a seventh. I Yeah, if he wants to keep playing. it. But you, if you're bringing back EJ, you have to understand what you're getting out of him is the thing. And that's not a guy that you can move up into the top four of your lineup anymore. So I wouldn't be opposed to bringing him back. I just would like the Avs to understand he doesn't fill the role he used to anymore. Uh, if, it, if it came to that. Uh, I, I really don't expect them to bring Jack Johnson back again. I would be a little surprised if they did that. It, someone in the chat said one Johnson, and I agree. I do think if any Johnson, which I'm not 100% sold on, I think it's one, Yeah. not both. Agree. For similar reasons, like you just said, they have to know what they are getting out of that player. And yep. I thought Jack Johnson in his short time at fine. the end of this yeah. year did well, but you can't have two of that type of player exactly. at this stage. Yeah. In theory, Josh Manson should be healthy next year, too, so there's just a little bit less room on that blue line. Definitely. They've got some big decisions to make, too, that will make that flexibility less possible. Yep. I, you know, I, you can never count on health, but if you get even 60 games out of Bowen Byram instead of 40... Right. It, it, with any amount of injury luck, the Avs really shouldn't have to do a lot of work on their back end to put it together. Uh, it, it would be depth guys, like a number six, a number seven, things like that. They should bring Andre Sanglin back. I, hey, if he's out there, if they want to, if he wants like 850K, sure. I'm not, I'm, I'm saying that half jokingly. I'm not sure I'm sold on that because I do feel like there's a lot of people who could satisfy that role of seventh, eighth man beyond Andre Sanglin. So I, I say it a little tongue I, in cheek. Look, I, you're right. There are a lot of people that can fill that role, but. We've seen pretty consistently with Colorado, they're really comfortable going back to guys they know, going back to guys that have played in this system before. Obviously, Matt Nieto last year. You look a couple years ago uh, during the shortened season when they went with Carl Soderberg and Patrick Nemeth. Now, those didn't work <laughs> out very well, but well, they exactly, they tried. Uh, so it's something that would not shock me if, if that came up. Um, it's just, it, it's weird because you're seeing a lot of NHL news right now and it's just none of it's about Colorado. I think they're pretty comfortable to wait and, you know, I hopefully the NHL combine going on this week, once that's over, maybe it stirs up a little bit more action as teams start to solidify their draft lists and things like that and understand where they want to be. As far as picks are concerned, but as far as Colorado goes, I wouldn't expect a whole lot of anything for the next couple of weeks. Uh, all right. On that note, we are brought to you by the fantastic people over at Illegal Pete's. Uh, you can go get happy hour from 3 to 8 p.m. now, the longest happy hour in town. You got five hours to go down there, get yourself a delicious burrito, get yourself a margarita or a beer or I don't... What's a fancy drink that people drink? I, I drink screwdrivers. So tequila I, Sunrise. Te there you go. Perfect. Go get yourself a Tequila Sunrise if that's what you're into. <laughs> I don't know. 
Uh, that's fancier than anything I order. All right. Give me some OJ. Give me some vodka. That's my happy hour drink, uh, which they have those too at illegal Pete's. If that's what you want, you don't have to be fancy. Uh, their burritos are amazing. Fresh ingredients used all over the place. Their queso, the best around. If you haven't tried it, go check them out. Go get yourself a burrito. Go spend some time on the pad. Actually a nice day today. Beautiful. Not rainy, so a great day for the illegal Pete's patio. Uh, go check them out. And then when you're sitting out on the patio, Make sure you're wearing your shady rays. Looking good, not getting blinded by the sun. Sunglasses are, I, I, I guess they're technically, I can't say that they're like medically approved because <laughs> they're definitely not. Uh, but as someone who had to get LASIK and had bad eyesight because he looked into the sun as a kid, highly recommend, in the sun. highly recommend you wear sunglasses so you don't go blind. Uh, they have tons of different options and choices for types of sunglasses. Uh, personally, I like the super awesome 80s wrestler ones, but you can also just get aviators or, or solid-looking sunglasses. Uh, choices all over the place, different styles, different colors, different... Uh, uh, what's the... Polarizations? Yeah, that's the word that I'm looking for. But the best part is their replacement policy. You go to ShadyRays.com, you order with code DNVR, you get two pairs or more, you get 50% off your order, and then in the first month, if you lose them, you break them, or you just don't like them... They'll replace them for completely free. So you can just try whatever sunglasses you want till you find a pair, get a good one, and then you're good to go. Also, they got ski and snowboard goggles. So go check out those if you're on the slopes. That you, sounds correct. Are you a ski gear no. snowboarder? Not at all? Okay. I, I skied grown up. I wasn't cool enough to snowboard. So uh, a, a second period here, an interesting point from Anthony in the chat saying, don't forget about Malinsky. It's a fair point, but one I'm not jumping to conclusions to because with someone like Malinsky, the way his season is going to shape up is likely going to depend a lot on how his training camp goes. Totally. He, we could come out of training camp and go, yeah, this is a guy who's fighting for a roster spot, or we could come out of training camp and say, Still got work to do. I just am not sure where that will end up. I know you've seen a bit more of him than me, Megan. Where where do you which way do you lean on that with more? I, I have reservations just because of how they've been with this position specifically, like who they've opted to call up has sure. been Brad Hunt yeah. types, Jacob McDonald. Eventually it got man. down to Andreas Englund, but that was even a bit of a surprise that it ever got that far in the queue. Yeah. And the reason I, I pointed out is I look at it like a Justin Barron comparable where his NHL debut was short-lived it yeah. took a while and he was playing well at the american league level he was a younger player and a different style of player because malinsky is 25 years old yeah. so there is something to be said for him being physically more matured and ready than maybe others that have come before him but i also am with you i'm not quite envisioning a full season for him at the nhl level just yet i, I think they'll be very interested in considering giving him looks though especially training camp preseason but even in, in the regular season i do think he'll make his nhl debut i i feel that way because i think they'll want to see how he looks but whether or not he sticks is where i, I don't have that much confidence yet and, and keep in mind regardless about how you feel about him the abs do have curtis mcdermott for another year which at least in the regular season, they will use as a depth defenseman. We've seen that at this point. What I find interesting, too, is Andres Englund and Keaton Middleton were almost the exact same player. Yeah. And they've re-upped him, and he's now kind of at the top of this queue. So, Captain Seifer. 
Eagles okay, maybe? why like why not Ryan Wagner is what I wanted to know. He's been around but too, yeah. He is a big voice in the room. They love Keaton Middleton. I could definitely see that for him, especially now that they have him for the like short long term, at least two more years, I think it was. For the AHL tweener, that's long. Exactly. The yeah. turnover in that league is so much so that when I talked about Andreas England, I actually have to probably look at Keaton Middleton as being the new the Andreas England yeah, in that type of role. So I, uh, that's just something to consider. But it raises an interesting point too. Like, what do you do with a player like Mikhail Maltsev? Is that kind of been stuck down there? A little right. Bit, yeah. Is that somebody that the Avs look at bringing back, even if it's at the American League capacity, or do you think that's someone that both parties have reason to move on from one another? I think it's tough. I, if I'm Maltsev, I think I probably want to move on. The Avs' commitment to Ben Myers, I think, really made his path to the NHL a lot harder. And I know, you know, injuries and things out of his control did happen. Right. But it, there's maybe room, and, and maybe that's something I haven't considered. I'm, I've been a proponent of wanting to bring back Lars Eller this year. Maybe you go with Maltsev instead if you can get him on a little bit of a cheaper deal. But I just, I think Maltsev could be an NHLer, maybe even should be. But for whatever reason, it just hasn't worked with the Avs. I wonder, too, if not for the injury this year, he would have been one of the first in the call-ups for forwards. I and assume so, yeah. And we would have seen more of him because when we did see him briefly, he actually looked like he was making improvement in his game that was necessary of him to at least yeah. stick in the NHL. And it'll be interesting. I, I agree with your assessment of him, though. And they kind of have Ben Myers already there. Yep. Do they bring back an Alex Galchenyuk, too? That's like, a good point. yeah. I, I think I'd have Galchenyuk ahead of Maltsev today. Well, especially because they saw so much more of him so much more recently. And yep. they had this interest in him as a PTO at the beginning of last year that I, I think that there's just distance that has grown between Maltsev and the Avs organization. I don't think it's rooted in negativity. It just... Things happened. Injuries happened. And and look, if he wants to be here, I'm sure the Avs would happily have him as a, a depth forward option. But I suspect Maltsev would probably like a chance somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anyway, on to the topic that we're actually going to talk about today, which is the Stanley Cup final. Uh, game two was not close uh, ever. It, it was just a blowout from start to finish. Let me start here. How much credit are you giving Aiden Hill? And how much are you saying Florida's not doing enough? At five on five, Florida created less than one expected goal for. On the flip side, Florida's power play was super dangerous all game, and Aiden Hill shut it down. That's interesting, because I was looking at the high danger chances side by side, and this is where Florida improved from game one into game two, but obviously... The improvement was not single-handedly enough. They were still pretty limited to the outside, but they did a much better job of generating more chances on the whole, but also more dangerous ones right at the net front. Interestingly, though, there wasn't a lot of variance beyond perimeter and net front. There wasn't really a lot generated just more generally within home play. And I think that's what hurt them is they were looking for like high skill play up front or taking their chances from the outside. And I think they just needed to 
have a little bit more variety in what they attempted because what really happened is Aiden Hill played very well. That's sure. the bottom line. Um, even though Ver- Florida like improved on this one area from game one into game two, it still wasn't enough because of their shortcomings too. Their D zone coverage continues to be a problem. They allowed way too many odd man rushes and yeah. their situational awareness is just not as good compared to Vegas's. That's the issue with Florida on the whole right now in my eyes. And so even though they did some things a little better from one game into the next, Aiden Hill played very well and Vegas did a great job. Like what I'm describing in Florida, maybe not being able to get all of the chances that they wanted. That's because of Vegas too, the way that Vegas wants to play. And they did a great job of blocking shots and making it very difficult for Florida to really create inside home play. So I guess how does Florida do that? Because you once again saw Makachuk and Alexander Barkov not get on the score sheet. I actually thought Matt Kachuk was a little bit more impactful, that big hit on Eichel, obviously. But right. It, I just don't see how Florida is competitive if those guys aren't producing for them. Is there a way to break through Vegas's side, or does Vegas just have them locked down? I... I think there is a way, but the way the path forward, it's growing more narrow and more difficult, winding, because it feels like Vegas is a boa constrictor and they have Vegas yeah. around the neck yeah. and they're just tightening and tightening up their game that Florida's way out of that situation is becoming very limited in their options because I I do think Barkov and Kachuk had a better game. Kachuk specifically, um, I think, had a much better game two than game one. But discipline remains an issue for the team as a whole. Mm. This is costing them in a big way because... Right away, the Lombard penalty to start the game is terrible. Exactly. It's like there are actually things that they're doing in their execution. Like, you know, if you had just kept doing that and didn't get undisciplined, you probably would have seen a different game. And that seems like what's costing them right now because I think there is a way to break through. They just have to play a much more disciplined game. So let's flip it to the other side then. Did Bob crack or is Vegas just beating him? I think Bob cracked a little in this one. I had defenses for him in game one a little bit more. And then with Bob, I would be also a little frustrated with the rest of the team too. In some of these situations, (laughs) when I describe situational awareness, I'm looking at guys like Ekblad and uh, Ekblad's been bad. Mahara, who shouldn't be over committing to guys doing so and allowing way too much time and space. And so there are goals that I'm like, okay, that one might have been Bob or that one might have been the team in front of him that allowed that odd man rush to begin with. Yeah. And so it was a little bit of both, but definitely with Bob in this game, he lost a little bit more composure, I felt. There were some things he just... I know there was traffic and screens, but he just wasn't tracking the puck so yeah, well on some of these. It's that third goal for me. Uh, the first two, I okay, agree. there's a screen, sure, whatever. The third one, sure, it's a guy walking in tight, but he beats you short side. I mean, you're just out of position at that point. That's a puck that can't go in your net. So I, I really do think that... It, I'll put it this way. We we put a poll out on should they start Bob or Lion for game three. 80% of people still said Bob. I voted Bob. Okay. So I don't think Florida really has another option. We saw earlier in the playoffs, Lion was not good against Boston. And so they kind of are just hoping that Bob figures it out through the rest of this series. And you're right. 
he could use significantly more help from his defense. I think particularly Florida has been brutal on the back check. One of the goals the other night, Sam Bennett just gets beat up the ice clean and it ends up in their net. So is there a team aspect to it? Yes. But Bob also just needs to track the puck better. I, I agree with that. And that's why of the two options I'm still leaning towards not only just like the expertise or the experience is what I'm looking for with Bob, but having a goaltender come in kind of cold into the series, like not even just into the game, but into the series, it feels ill-advised because we've watched it be not a good idea with that Boston series. And like yeah. Boston side of things, getting cute with goaltending it's has true. costed teams. And that's why I'm like, I can't endorse that then in the Stanley <laughs> cup final. It's, and even if you were thinking maybe that was something you would do, Alex Lyon didn't play super well coming into relief in this game yeah. either. And so. I'll grant him some allowances, but... Oh, totally. He's coming in cold, but... But, no, it was not good. <laughs> it wasn't a, a performance that you're like, oh, maybe we start this guy. I was like, oh, no, this is bad. <laughs> um, I Yeah, it's it's really tough for me. To see a X's and O's way out of this for Florida. I don't see some great change that Paul Maurice can exploit on Vegas. It's just their best players have to start getting it done. They have to find a way to beat Aiden Hill. And if they don't, then this could be a very quick series. Now, Florida is going home. They always say you're not in trouble until you lose at home. They have to win both at home to me. I, I, if they go down 3-1, I don't see them coming back in this series. But, I, I, and, you know, we've talked a lot about Florida's side. We should give some credit here <clears throat> to the top guys on Vegas's end. March or so has been fantastic for them in the second half of these playoffs. Jack Eichel proving everyone right, wrong, I guess, depending on how you feel about him, that... He is a guy that deserves to be on this stage, and maybe it was a little bit Buffalo's fault that he hadn't played a playoff game until now. <laughs> uh, but it, I I really am... If Florida doesn't find something in Game 3, I don't know what you can do, but just tip the cap to Vegas. And I agree with that, too. I, I think it's a perfect opportunity to give Vegas credit because of the way that they're constructed. It's a lot of players that are helping them to be as well-constructed, well-rounded as they are right now. Like, it's top guys, like you mentioned, March, so Eichel, but we've talked about their depth at length, and they're they're all stepping up in big ways. Aiden Hill, of course, yeah, too, having the playing out of his mind series sure. of a lifetime yeah. is also helpful, but it's just the way that they like to play, they don't need to make changes, like you mentioned. Yeah. Their game plan, it's working, and we... I mean, oh, man, we didn't even say, but like for, for Florida side of things, too, they're going to ha- lose one of their depth defensemen. Yep. It's already is... not good for them. Yep. And where I was going th- with this with Vegas, though, is there isn't a huge injury that we know about. Yeah. Like even Eichel returns yeah, to the game. Back, exactly. And so there really isn't a lot that's going to change from Vegas' side. They're going to continue coming at Florida in waves. And they have a they have this pretty well handled at that point. Yeah, I it it does feel like the the clock might be striking midnight for Florida Cinderella run for sure. Uh, I hope it's not. I yeah. hope this series goes I, seven I, at this point. I do but, too. 
Uh, it doesn't feel like that's the way things are headed there. All right, let me ask you this. How much credit does Bruce Cassidy get for getting Vegas here? Because I think we all knew Vegas was a good team, but did we think they were going to be this good? Ah. Uh, I get, you know like it it is a little bit we're talking about systems. The mm -hmm. way that they like to play in front of Aiden Hill has helped them to be yeah. as strong a team as they are now, but also the way Aiden Hill is like and that comes from a leadership in their coach that holds them accountable to executing these systems consistently and to expectation. And I look at someone like a Barbashev who comes in newly to this group and Maybe acclimates success, so well. Like yeah. I like the side by side of how things didn't, I don't want to say they didn't go well for him in St. Louis, but he didn't have as much of an impact, especially in their more recent yeah. playoff run versus what he's doing now with Vegas. And I think some of that is credit to the system. And that is something that is coached. And it's a combination of everything, though. This group of players that they've brought together also buys into that system. And so that's where it's a little bit of everyone. So I have to give Cassidy some credit for sure. Yeah, I I think it's a lot of credit. I and Again, don't get me wrong. I think Vegas is a very good team, a team that... I probably undersold throughout times of this year. Um, but getting the right coach in there matters. It, it takes a good team to what we're seeing Vegas do right now. Um, on that note, make sure if you are getting constricted by a boa constrictor at the zoo or something, and it's not your fault, <laughs> that you call Bacchus and Shanker. You can call 222-2222 today. I don't think that scenario is very likely, but more realistic if you were in a car accident, even if it's a ride stare situation or you were uh, biking on the road and got hit, or even if you got hurt at work and it's not your fault, that's what Bacchus and Shanker does. They take on those cases, they win them, and they get you the money you deserve. So if you press two for a while, they'll give you a free consultation. If they think you have a case, they will take it on for completely free. You pay nothing until you win your case. So if you think you might have one, this literally costs you nothing. You might as well give it a shot. You can go to coloradolaw.net as well to get a hold of them. They've won over a billion dollars for their clients over the 25 years they've been doing this in Colorado. So they know a thing or two about this. They're, they're pretty good at doing it. Check out Bacchus and Shanker today. Press two for a while. Get yourself the money you deserve. And... Last but certainly not least, our favorite beer sponsor brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery. Eight different kinds on tap down here at the bar. Uh, dozens of flavors that you can get your, your hands on. I, I tell everyone, there's a Breck Brew flavor that you will like if you like beer. It, if you hate all beer, then you know it's probably not for you. But if you drink beer at all, Breck Brew has a flavor that you will enjoy. It can be simple like me, just like an Avalanche Amber. And get something fancy. I know AJ's a fan of the Strawberry Sky or the Vanilla Porter usually. Megan, I don't know. We still got to do this flight of beers. I was going to say, Tiff, do you know what kind you like? Yes. Um, I'm a big fan of the Mountain Beach and the Strawberry Sky. Okay. I like sweeter beers, but I also really like the Avalanche Amber. That's is Mountain very... Beach like a summer it's shandy? A sour. Oh. Which, which is the one that has like coconut in it? Oh, I don't know. That also sounds really yeah. good. Okay. Uh, they do have a shandy. They have a seasonal shandy that they do. So you can try that one. That one's downstairs. Um, but the Mountain Beach, it's 
I would say if you don't like sours, it's probably like one of the best sours. But Interesting, because I actually do like sours, yeah. so it's probably fantastic. Yeah. I I really like that one. So yeah, we'll definitely. I don't know. Maybe we'll try the fruity ones first, and then we'll do like the darker ones, IPAs and ambers. Right. Fruity flight in the summer, dark flight in the winter. You're good to go. That was very responsible of you to break it up and not try to have just all. Megan's f- drinking thirty <laughs> beers today at once. <laughs> I don't see why not. <laughs> Go check out Breck Brew. Even if you're not local, they have it in all 50 United States. Use the Breck Beer Locator online at breckbrew.com. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Uh, have you liked this cup finals? So far, no, because it's it's felt very one-sided. Like I want to put an asterisk by that because there have been plenty of moments that these do two look look like two teams who both belong here but florida is just kind of allowing their own undoing it does seem like mentally they get in their heads it's where you see the undisciplined actions and you see some of those situational awareness mistakes being made that are really avoidable and so anyways where i was going with this is i am a little disappointed because i thought florida would put up a little bit more of a fight with the way that they like to play i thought it was going to match a little more closely with vegas yeah and you know game two pretty irredeemable i think game one Florida gets an early lead. These are two teams that like to play from ahead when they can. That was a little bit disappointing for me to see Florida not be able to play their game with a lead. And the first two periods were okay. It's not like they played horribly or anything. I agree. Uh, But boy, it it does feel like the pressure is getting to Florida's side a lot more than it is Vegas's. And you know, I'm I'm someone who looks up funny stats all the time. I need Florida to at least win one game so they can say they've won a Stanley Cup final game in their existence uh, because going 0 for 8 in the finals would be a tough look. Leave it that way. Uh, and Vegas' side, I, I think this is a team that looks experienced, a team that has a good number of guys that have been here before and aren't afraid of the moment. So... I've never been a guy that's huge on oh, experience matters a ton, but I think having some of those guys as their leadership core really is making a difference in this series. Where, obviously through the Avs run, you know, we experienced a little bit of leadership from everywhere. Everyone knows about the Cogliano story. Everyone knows how the Avs kind of operate in the locker room as a group. Do you think Vegas is is similar to that, or is there more of a few leaders that are are stepping up and being the vocal guys there? It feels like it is distributed among a few voices in the room, and part of it too is the way that they play hockey is the contributions are also coming from several different players. It, it just feels yeah. like... One thing we've noticed about like the Avalanche 2022 team is they were very self-motivated. They didn't require a lot of coaching. They reached this point of success where everyone was so bought in that they were doing things. And that's kind of, I don't want to draw too much of a a comparison between the two, but that's sort of how I feel about Vegas is why I think their depth is as successful as it has been is because everyone's contributing and they're self-motivated. And that's why I would lean towards those also being voices in the room spread out throughout this group. It's 
Did we really sign Wyatt Amit? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm is, so excited. Is, is chat for real or is chat baiting us? I don't know. Look, it's... I'm an easy... I think. I so there you go. I said the ads weren't going to do anything, and they go and do something. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. they did. <laughs> so another another potential option for the Avs on defense. I think you know I would expect him to be more of an Eagle staple than I would put Sam Malinsky ahead of him on the call up list. No matter what, I'll put it to you that way. I would too. I actually use Amit sort of as a frame of reference for how good actually Malinsky yeah. is because of how well he Jumped right integrated pros, yeah. compared to Amit. Yeah. But I'm excited for him, and he, they brought all of his friends from Minnesota State <laughs> over, so it would have been really sad if they didn't re-sign him. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think the Avs have done a little bit of this, and we don't talk about this a ton because... It is what it is. Most people focus on the NHL and, and aren't as worried about how an AHL roster shapes up. But the Avs have done a pretty good job over the last handful of years of building from the bottom up. They sort out their AHL lineup. They understand who their guys are that could have potential to move up to the NHL lineup. And then they sort out their NHL lineup. Now, when you're as injured as you are last year, doesn't really matter how you set up your team. Things just fall apart. Yeah. But... In 2022, they had a lot of that. The Avs used plenty of call-ups that year at times, and it's because of how they built all the way down to their their last guy on their AHL roster. Uh, so I do think guys like Ahmet do matter in that way, and NHL impact probably pretty minimal. Yeah, but I think about how when a Sean Barons does make the leap one yep. year, you want to have him surrounded by a strong decor that sets a good example yeah. beyond just who he's paired with. And so it is important to put care into that part of the organization as well. And, and I think it is worth noting that a lot of these defensemen are coming back. Compare that to a Sampo Ranta who decided to go to Europe. Sneaks have something to do with that, probably coaching up these defensive kids. I'm glad you said it because I know the concern. Like I think it was Merrick or Friedman talking about how I believe it's Sam Linsky specifically said he chose Colorado because of Greg Cronin, and I've sort of heard the same thing from Malinsky, but it was a greater conversation about the entirety of the coaching staff because he works closely with Schneekloth and he yeah. loved he loved it so far. So. I don't think we can discredit Schneekloth's role in that, especially with the defenseman, because I've talked to both Amit and Malinsky about Schneekloth, and they really like him. He really likes them. I think it's a good relationship. So there you go. Hopefully more progress forward seen from those kids coming back on the defensive side for the Eagles. Uh, Richie mentions this about Matt Kachuk with a ridiculous amount of penalties. I'm curious, what, what are your thoughts about the end of these games where Florida kind of goes full goon in games they know they've lost? I don't like it. I I'm with you. <laughs> I think it's the kind of thing that has a carryover effect. It honestly, too, it walks a, a fine line like Jamie Ben's yeah. undisciplined Clearly actions, far, yeah. costing his team mm -hmm. in losing him. And I feel similarly with Kachuk that he's walking a very thin line there that they cannot afford. Well, yeah, and it just done. Bednar has talked about this in mm -hmm. players showing emotion too, and he would prefer them not to because it lets the other team know that you've gotten in their heads 
And yeah. if I'm Vegas, this is where this boa constrictor imagery really, it's like they have Florida exactly where they want them. It, it's an interesting, like, it's not to say that Vegas isn't partaking a little bit on their own side of things, of but it's not equal. It's definitely no. more significantly yeah. Florida getting into that. And it's a, it's a bad look. Like if I'm Vegas, I'm drawing positives from no, that. I agree. Like if, if you see this two games in a row from Vegas' side, you're saying, hey, look, we get a lead on these guys and they're going to melt down. They're yeah. going to blow up. And it's a vulnerability. I, I've never been a big fan of it. I, I know there are a lot of people in the hockey world that understand that, that stuff is something saying, hey, you need to send a message that they're not going to give away these things for free. If it's not working out on the actual hockey, they're going to pay a price physically. And I don't really agree with that. I think the price physically you should be making them pay is that Kachuk hit on Jack Eichel. I thought that was great. A clean hit, part of a hockey play. Awesome. Sam Bennett continues to bring a physical edge for Florida, even if he's, the rest of his game is struggling. Those those are the physical types of plays that I think send a message more than nonsense at the end of a hockey game that just doesn't matter to me. So I... I guess we're the wrong podcast if you think that stuff is... Uh... Well, and I will say, like, with Kajak and Eichel, what I didn't like is you see that play in real time, and it looks bad, but then you see it slow down, and it is not a problem. Yeah. Eichel is falling. Yep. Kachuk, Kachuk doesn't hit him in the head yeah, or anything. Yeah, it's shoulder to yeah. shoulder. If Eichel wasn't falling, it wouldn't have been such an odd point of contact and, and things like that. But Eichel answering for it the way that he was sort of left no choice to... And, and penalized for that is a tough thing because it's like, yeah. this was a clean hit. Yep. It, and one of my least favorite things about the NHL in, in recent history is hits like that happen and teams immediately just jump each other. And I get it. Maybe at ice level, they're seeing I, something I, really I, differently in the moment. Of course. And hockey has always had a very big culture of defending your teammates regardless of it being a clean hit or not. But... I, I would like to see punishments to be a little bit harsher. The instigating rule has been in the NHL for a while now. And when, when someone puts a clean hit like that and then everyone on both teams has to answer the bell, it's just a little silly to me. I agree, especially like when the player who conducted the clean hit initially ends up penalized yeah, at the end. It's a 10-minute misconduct out of what was initially a clean play. So it's tough for me, but... You know, I don't need to rant about terrible NHL officiating any more than I already do. So I <laughs> uh, won't, won't go any further into that. Here's my one fear. Uh, that's not. I have many fears. Here's one of my biggest fears. <laughs> the one and only for, fear. For Florida. If they want to turn this series around, I just don't know how they can keep up with Vegas. We've seen their defense just get skated by far too many times. And I don't know how they keep Vegas in front of them. So it, it, I know we all picked Florida in the initial preview. If you ask me today, I might take Vegas in five. Oh, yeah. I'm feeling a little silly. Like, I don't want to. I don't know the word for it, but I I stood by what I said because I had this reasoning for it. But. I feel really differently about the series just two games in. It doesn't mean like we've talked about that I don't believe there to be any path forward for Florida, but Vegas is the more consistent 
stable team and what they're bringing to the table, it's hard not to yeah. say that that's where well, I would put my money. And, and look, in our preview, we kind of said, hey, if one of these goalies cracks, that team is just going to lose. A hundred percent. I, I think Bob cracked last night and, and maybe he comes back in game three and, and is back to a super amazing goalie. But if he struggles in game three, forget it. The team melting down through their extracurriculars in front of him, it's really hard for a goaltender to keep composure yep. in net behind. It, it just, it feels like that's a, a difficult ask. And, and one, another reason why Florida harms the overall good in doing that. Agree. It's easy to lose your your focus mentally when games devolve like that, for sure. Especially when their penalty kill isn't working at all. They're they're, and it's a little tough for me. I actually did think Florida's power play was pretty good last night, except for they just couldn't score, couldn't capitalize. And right now, that's a huge difference in this series. Is is after what was a shorthanded goal to start the series for Florida, they've just been dominated on special teams. Yeah, and going into it, they actually had the better track record with special mm-hmm. teams. That was one reason I chose Florida in the beginning, but yeah. it has not held up for Florida. Vegas's penalty kill was at 65% coming into this series, and they have not given up a power play goal. So uh, There's been so little news from the Combine because it's still underway. It goes this entire week. Um, it started on the 4th. It doesn't end until this Friday, so... Most of the news will probably come out after all the teams finish their interviews uh, with players. So once interviews start coming out, once teams start talking about who they talk to, that's when lists start to get solidified. I can tell you right now that's our plan. After this week, next week is when AJ and I will start uh, going ham on all the prospect stuff. So wait till next week and we got you covered on that. Uh I'm good for this one, Megan, unless you have anything else you want to add. No, we're going to be talking about this plenty more to yep. come. We're actually going to have Katie Goss come on and talk yeah, about the Florida side of things, which I feel bad like bringing her on now, but hopefully there's some they can uh, get one or two yeah. at home. They, I mean, you have to have one, obviously. Right. Really, you have to have two, I think. Definitely. Um, all right, we're going to get out of here. We will be doing, or at least I will be doing a watch along for Thursday's game. So we'll see if Florida can get back into the series or not. If you want to join me and have some fun with that. Also, if you didn't check out our roundtable piece from yesterday, go read that <laughs> on the website. It's so poorly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, I, I said Anton Lundell was someone to watch and he scored at that game. So I'm counting that as a W, okay? We got one tiny thing right. It's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes. That's just how the cookie crumbles. That's hockey. If we could get it right every time, uh, I'd be winning a lot of money in Vegas and not doing this job. So we appreciate all y'all, and we will be back tomorrow.